I'm no Taylor Swift, but the front row is just as good here, okay? So it's all good. All right. There's a lot of people in here today. Um, it's good to be with you again. Um, before we get into the message, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can find Matthew 11. We'll be there in just a little bit. Um, we have um, a series coming up after this, after Labor Day, and it's on the Old Testament book, uh, Prophet Daniel. It's going to be a really rich, uh, rich series, and we want to invite you to participate in a small group strategy that we employ or deploy every once in a while. It's called the U plus two strategy, which is simply you plus two other people equals a small group. And we'd love to talk to you. I would like to talk to you if you're interested in hearing more about that strategy in the series. Just meet up with me in the front row. Um, so stay there if you're going to be a part of that. Um, but in the front couple of rows, right after service, and for about seven minutes or so, I'll kind of lay that plan out for you about how you can start a super simple small group with the tools that we provide right after service. I'll be doing that for the next several weeks, so if you can't make it today, um, just come, come next week and I'll, um, I'll go through it with you then. Also, small groups, generally, the registrations are open and will remain open for the next couple of weeks. Invite you to grab information from the lobby table that we have set up, or you can go online, use the Church Center app, and check out the uh, open groups and, and sign up, get in a, in a group today, all right? So the year is 2007, and I want you to come with me to my first day at Holland Hospital uh, as a summer chaplain intern. I was a seminary student at the time, training for pastoral ministry when I applied for this position. And I did it not because I was really exploring or sensed a call into chaplaincy or hospital ministry, uh, but because I knew I needed to work through some anxiety and fear that I had about serving those who were suffering and dying. And so it was my first day after orientation, the first day on the job, and one of the responsibilities that the summer interns have is to respond to patient requests which are in the patient portal. And so my, my buddy and fellow seminarian Bill and I, we got onto the portal and we looked for the requests that were coming in that day of patients who wanted to have a visit from a chaplain, and we wrote down their names and we wrote down their room numbers so that we could begin to make our visits. And because it was our first day, we figured, um, being newbies at this and all, that maybe it would be best if we partnered together and we would go on our rounds um, to help lighten the load for one another just a little bit. And did I mention that it was my first day? It's one of those stories. Not only my first day, my first patient, my first hospital visitation. Bill and I we took the elevator up and found our way to the patient's room. Now, all we knew going into this, um, into this uh, call, if you were, this visit, was that Dave was admitted for psychiatric evaluation after a failed suicide attempt. And the door to Dave's room was open, and, and uh, he was sitting uh, in a chair beside his bed. And Bill... Bill knocked on the door. Hello, he said. Are you Dave? 
I'm Bill. This is my friend Josh. We're the summer chaplain interns. Can we come in and visit with you? Without hesitation and without warning, Dave answered, Do you believe gay people are going to hell? No, hello. No, yes, I'm Dave. Would you like to come in? No, I'm glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. Did I tell you this was my first day? (laughs) Here's the truth. To excel in anything requires preparation and training. This is true for athletes, soldiers, musicians, teachers, parenting, and Christ followers. This truth is not something that we can simply set aside when it comes to the most important aspect of our whole lives, which is our faith and our spiritual aspect. And so we might think, when we're talking about how do people grow, consider this, to easily and effectively do what Jesus would do in any given situation requires preparation and training. The problem with WWJD is that you cannot just do it on the spot without any sort of preparation or training, right? You have to have some training. And this is discipleship. Our discipleship to Jesus begins when we say yes to Jesus' offer for salvation and eternal life. The moment that you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth, if you didn't know this, you were reborn spiritually. And it doesn't matter what physical age you were when your spiritual rebirth happened, but in that moment, you became a spiritual newborn, a babe in Christ. And so then there's this tension over time because we are babes in Christ. Um, But at that moment, let me ask you, did when you trusted Christ for your salvation and you were reborn as one of God's kids, did all of your bad habits go away? Did your hard-heartedness disappear? How about that rebellious attitude that you sometimes have or the judgmentalism or whatever it may be? Did it just vanish Probably not in a lot of cases. Some things for sure, but not everything. And there's no doubt that your eternity with Jesus was sealed. But there was and may still be some internal resistance or old habits or sneaky sins that haven't been dealt with. Am I right? So what do you do? What do you do when, when you're faced with your own habitual sin or maybe it's a rebellious attitude or a hard heart or you find yourself in a difficult situation like when I found myself standing in that patient's doorway, a direct question was asked and I needed to respond in that moment. Well, oftentimes, especially if we're new in Christ or we are still a spiritual newborn, not always, but a lot of times we take the try-hard approach or the try-hard and fail approach, which starts out with an expectation. You have an expectation that you need to do something or not do something in order to do good for God. And it sounds like this, I know I should fill in the blank. 
I know I should read the Bible. I know I should pray. I know I should fast. I know I should be generous. Or it worth it, I know I shouldn't. I know I'm not supposed to look at that stuff on the internet at 2 a.m. when no one's watching me. I know I'm not supposed to swear, or I know I'm not supposed to do this or that. You fill in the blank with whatever that needs to be. So then what happens in that moment, we do the only thing that we know to do. We seek out God's forgiveness, and this is a good thing for letting him down. We seek out his forgiveness, and we plead with God, and we beg for mercy and for grace. And then we promise to do better by recommitting ourselves to him to do better next time, which then completes this cycle where then when we try harder, we want to do more for God to please him. And then when we fail, we ask for forgiveness and we renew our our, uh, commitment to him and try again. This try hard approach is just what we call a hamster wheel of death. You're going to run and run and run on it and go absolutely nowhere. The approach of trying to do better and failing and seeking forgiveness and renewing our commitment is a vicious cycle that is at the heart of spiritual burnout. And so when a Christian stays in this cycle of trying and failing and recommitting long enough. And it's different for everyone. For some, it's a couple of years. For others, it may be decades. But if you stay on that hamster wheel long enough, eventually you'll come to a conclusion. And part of that conclusion is this, that Christianity is a sham. And you'll probably experience burnout. You also conclude that it's an empty religion built on false promises that don't deliver and cannot, it does not have power to transform a person's life. And if that's you, if that's where you're at, or if you're near that kind of burnout, the try hard and fail approach is not Christianity. And I'm sad I'm saddened that this is so often the experience of many faithful, well-meaning, Christ-loving people. And I'm sad that so often that some form of this try-hard approach is preached from the pulpit in our churches. This approach, friends, is nothing more than a performance-based works righteousness that is designed to burn good people like you out trying to do the good thing and then failing to do it and then running to the cross and pleading for God's mercy and seeking his forgiveness only to renew your commitment that leads you to make another commitment that you cannot live up to is not the way of Jesus. It does not lead to life, truth, goodness, or love. There's no life in that approach, only death. And so if what I'm saying connects with you in any sort of way, I have good news for you today because Jesus talks about this in the antidote to this problem. 
that the secret to life change is not found in coming back again and again and again for forgiveness at the cross, though that is important. The secret to becoming more like Jesus is recognizing this, that the cross is the entry point into the kingdom. And when we get to the cross and into the kingdom and we are born again by the Spirit of God, Jesus is waiting for us to hand us a yoke. And the easy yoke then of Jesus is how you and I learn to live in the kingdom. You may not have seen a yoke ever, or it's been a while, so let's review This is an ancient yoke. A yoke is a heavy wooden farming instrument where two beasts of burden, or in this case, guys having fun, are harnessed together neck to neck to pull a heavy load across a field. Oftentimes, a young, untrained animal is yoked to a more mature animal because a wise farmer knows that it's unproductive or counterproductive to pair two young, untrained animals together to pull a plow. The the young oxen won't know where to go or how fast to pull. They may even kind of work against each other and pulling in opposite directions And they're straining and contorting their necks when they do this, which may, in some cases, lead these untrained animals to get hurt or to hurt each other. But if you take a young ox and you yoke it to a mature ox who has been well-trained, then the young animal learns how to pull the load across the field. The older ox leads, the younger ox pulls the load with the more mature animal at a slow and steady pace so that neither of them gets worn out or beat up. So we're going to look at a passage where Jesus talks about a yoke. He talks about his yoke, Matthew 11. And so I just want you to listen for Jesus' invitation to slip into his yoke with him. And the words are on the screens. Follow along in your Bibles at verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Might say all you who try hard and fail spiritually. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's generally assumed that in Jesus' day, a rabbi's teaching was called a yoke. There's some discrepancy about that, but let's just assume that that's correct. The yoke of a religious teacher and and scribes, in Jesus' view, their teachings were quite destructive. 
He did not hold back from condemning scribes and Pharisees for their religious ways. He accused those teachers of piling on religious burdens on ordinary people, making them worse than what they were before. What, the, what, the, what Jesus felt that those religious teachers should have been doing was helping people carry or lighten their heavy religious burdens. And Jesus said that this kind of teaching made people who heard this kind of thing twice the sons of hell. It's an interesting phrase and maybe a little confusing, but basically Jesus is saying that those who do this kind of thing, those who follow this kind of religious instruction are certainly headed toward destruction. And he called teachers who taught these things names, not only sons of hell, but whitewashed tombs. Because by appearances... From what people could see, it looked like they had it all together on the outside. I mean, they were bedazzled in a lot of ways in religious glitter and gold. And what we find is that even though they were sparkly and shiny on the outside, the inside was rotten. They were dead on the inside. And there's no real life in them or in their ways. And so Jesus is teaching, his offering here to take my yoke and learn from me is a unique invitation. There's another way, an alternative way for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. He assumes, I think, that his listeners are already under some kind of yoke. You know, the truth is, is you and I cannot live without being yoked to something. And his analogy here is that we're all like, we're like oxen who are wearing a yoke. It might be a yoke of sin, a yoke of oppression, a yoke of slavery, a yoke of performance, a yoke of expectation that I know I should be doing, but I'm not, a yoke of perfectionism, a yoke of addiction. How about this? A yoke of having to have my way or the yoke of success. Really, the list of yokes that we wear is endless. And Jesus' invitation is for us to recognize that we are wearing a yoke, at least one, if not more. And one question then we need to seriously address for ourselves is this, what yoke am I wearing? What yoke am I wearing? And one of the things that I've learned about myself and as I've explored Jesus's easy yoke and attempted to live my life in that easy yoke is that by and large, we like the easy part, but dislike the idea of slipping our necks into a yoke of any kind, right? Easy, cool. Yoke, eh, right? Eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Even an easy yoke, saying it, does not sound like much fun. But consider the alternative. An unyoked life is much harder and has far more disastrous consequences. 
Dallas Willard says, one of the lies in our culture today is that it's hard to follow Christ. And he says, no, it's the easy way. Life is actually harder and more difficult, more challenging when we slip out of Jesus' easy yoke. And the problems that we experience a lot of times, the tension and anxiety that we have in our walk with Jesus is our attempt to try to get our own way and we want to slip out of that yoke and we're getting choked, right, by our own, um, by our own um, decisions in how we follow Christ. But he says, no, it's the easy way. When we accept Jesus' yoke and follow his lead, we actually will find that we enjoy being in the yoke with him. And there's no other place that we'd rather be. Jesus promises in this passage that his burden is light. Meaning he won't wear you out. He won't make you want to give up. It's the, 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 the yoke that Jesus has for you and for me, it's a custom job. It's made for you. It's made for me. And it fits just right. My yoke, you cannot wear my yoke with Jesus, and I cannot wear your yoke. Only you can do that, and only I can do that. It isn't meant for anyone else. We will have our struggles, but staying in Jesus's yoke is what leads to real transformation in a blessed life. So let me offer to you an 1980s movie reference from my childhood that I hope illustrates a bit about what we're talking here. Hope you recognize it, because shortly after moving to California from New Jersey, Daniel LaRusso meets and starts a rivalry with the All-Valley Karate Champion, Johnny Lawrence. Right? Two-time All-Valley Karate Champion, Johnny Lawrence. And tired of his run-ins and getting the snot kicked out of him, Daniel sought out help from his neighbor and karate expert, Mr. Miyagi, who I think reluctantly agrees to teach Daniel his ways and what he knows about karate. But you remember this scene. There's a point in the movie, and it's, I think it's the summer break, and Daniel's at Mr. Miyagi's house to start his training. And all summer long then, Daniel receives a first-class education in uh, basically three things. Number one, wax on, wax off. Number two, paint the fence. And three, paint the house side to side, right? That's the education that Daniel got that summer. Now, Daniel was not happy. You remember this scene, right? Where they're standing in amongst all the cars and and Daniel's frustrated. He is not happy and, and he feels used and abused uh, he was taken advantage of just to get, so Mr. Miyabi, yeah, Miyagi could have some free labor. He couldn't imagine how wax on, wax off was going to help his situation. But what happened when Mr. Miyagi tested Daniel? The months of training had become part of Daniel. And he discovered that he had developed habits of a karate student. Mr. Miyagi offered Daniel a way to train in his yoke in an easy, relatable way that was just right for Daniel. And Daniel had no idea that when he was painting the fence or waxing the, I don't know, 12 cars or whatever it was, that he would be able to do what he needed to do when Mr. Miyagi started throwing punches. 
That's how the easy yoke of Christ works. He knows the way for you and me. He knows how fast and how hard to go. He knows the way. And he does this. The the easy yoke is foundational for the spiritual disciplines that we engage in. So this is where spiritual discipline comes in. And we're not going to spend any time going over the spiritual disciplines because there are just far too many of them. But I believe that Matthew 11 is an essential prerequisite. We need to get this right before taking on any of the other spiritual disciplines. Because if we operate out of this try-hard mindset, trying to please God and then ultimately failing and then returning for forgiveness and renewal, like if we're stuck in that hamster wheel and trying to please God in this way, I'm afraid then, friends, that the spiritual disciplines will be no good to any of us. And so what happens is we need to, and if you have to do this week, I encourage you to do this with Jesus, is to figure out what yoke you are wearing and to like take it off. If you have to do this, like take off the yoke of success. Take off the yoke of performance. Take off the yoke of expectation. Whatever yoke you're wearing, and then step to the side and humbly and joyfully take Jesus's yoke into your hands and slip your neck into it before trying to do anything else, especially spiritual disciplines. Robert Mulholland wrote an excellent book on spiritual disciplines. And he says, the only pure motive for our spiritual disciplines is the motive of loving obedience to God. Only the motive of loving obedience will enable us to persist in the disciplines when the going gets rough, when nothing seems to be happening, when the old habits and attitudes of our brokenness seem unaffected by the disciplines that aim at their healing and transformation. This is the easy yoke. He's talking about the easy yoke. When we we have to embrace the easy yoke and work with Jesus before engaging in spiritual practices so that we are ready to receive from Christ whatever he has for us. And when we train ourselves in the spiritual disciplines with Jesus in his easy yoke, the things that we want to do in our hearts out of pure love, will not only be possible, but they'll be probable. There's nothing magical about the spiritual disciplines. They're activities that we work with Jesus in, in his easy yoke, that enable us to do things that we can't do on our own. And so if you want to know more about uh, these spiritual disciplines, I'll put them on a slide just to show you there are so many of them. We've created a handout for you. It's available on our website for download. It's also out in the Connection Center. And so if you would like to just see what, uh, how we describe spiritual disciplines, um, what they are, um, I encourage you to grab a copy or to download a copy. There's also resources in here, some really good books on spiritual disciplines for you to uh, read um, about. Um, but really... You know, these, these disciplines are designed to help us respond the way Jesus would from the inside out. And, and, and like I said, we're, we're not going to be able to go through these. I wish we could. And that's simply because 
we need to get this easy yoke thing right. It doesn't do you any good to read your Bible or to pray or to serve or to engage in fasting or silence and solitude if you're doing it with the wrong motivation. The easy yoke gives us the motivation to work with Jesus in a way that he would do it so that we can grow. So, do you believe gay people are going to hell? I hadn't forgotten about that. Do you believe gay people are going to hell? Yes. I didn't look at Bill. I was too afraid to. Um, But I'm sure that he was just as astonished as I was, and I had questioned my whole summer internship at that point. What did I got myself into? I have no idea. Is Bill going to jump in here, or am I? Like, which one of us is going to go first? I have no idea. And I shot up a silent prayer in that moment. It's Lord help. And I responded to his question this way. Well, Dave, I believe that apart from Christ, we're all going to hell. Want to talk about it? And after a brief pause, said, come on in. I didn't know it at the time, but Dave's question for Bill and I was an entrance exam. My answer, or Bill's answer, was going to determine whether or not he would let us talk to him about Christ. And Bill and I, for the next I don't know how long, heard the heart-wrenching story about how he came out after 20 years of marriage to his wife and kids, and they did not take it well. They left him, they abandoned him, condemned him to hell, and walked out on him. And hopeless and alone, Dave tried to take his own life. And after we left the room and had some time to decompress from that experience, Bill asked me, he said, how did you know what to say? And I think the God's honest truth is, is I didn't. I didn't know what to say. But it really doesn't matter how I knew. Looking back, now I know that what had happened is because of my training and preparation in the easy yoke with Jesus. Because I had spent time learning about the gospel and its significance and being able to communicate it to a person who was heartbroken and needed compassion, I was able to share Christ with a lost, lonely, hurting man who needed the compassion and needed to hear the invitation of Jesus to come. Doesn't make me a hero at all. I I don't share that story for that purpose. Just to say, when we train and prepare with Jesus, we can regularly and routinely do the kinds of things that Jesus says that we can do. And he sees the first You know, Jesus sees the the deadening effects of religious legalism 
in the burdens that come with this try hard and fail approach and he offers his compassion in an alternate way forward. His way is gentle. His approach is humble. He will not overpower you. He doesn't need to be harsh with you. He doesn't need you to guilt him to work with him. He doesn't have to twist your arm to say, uncle, like I submit, I will do what you need me to do, right? It's I'm Daniel, He's Mr. Miyagi. I do what he tells me to do. And he has a light touch, not a heavy hand. The yoke that Jesus has for you fits you perfectly. It's made just for you so that when you're working alongside Jesus, you won't even notice that it's there. The easy yoke is his way of working together on your life. And the question is, as we wrap up today, what are you yoked to? Or in Kansas, we might say it this way. I like the word hitch, like get hitched, be hitched. You know, what do you need to unhitch yourself from so that you can hitch yourself to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you invite us to surrender. You call us to come, to be with you, to receive the life that can only come through Christ in his sacrifice. And there may be some today who that needs to happen, to, to humble themselves, to receive forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life through Jesus our Lord, confessing that Jesus is Lord, and I believe this to be so. And I thank you that when we come into your kingdom, you're waiting for us there. And you are inviting us into an easy yoke to relieve us of our spiritual burdens and the burdens of life that we get to work together on this thing we call faith to grow together with you as we walk with you at your pace, in your way, at just the right speed, at the right time, God. You know what you're doing Help us to learn to trust you, to walk in faithful obedience with you in the easy yoke and, and delight in it. With the spiritual disciplines that are life-giving and helpful to us flow from this starting point that is walking with you in your easy yoke. It's not always easy and sometimes we want to slip out, God. Help us to hang in there. Help us to stay in the easy yoke with you, especially when we don't want to be, and to learn what it's like to live life with you, doing life your way. So grateful for today, God. Be with us, keep us cool, help us to have courage and to take next steps with you in your easy yoke as we leave this place today. In your son's name, amen. Hey, peace, everybody. Have a good week. If you'd like to hear more about the Daniel study, oh, I got cut off. If you'd like to hear more about the Daniel study, come up here. I'll meet you up here.